Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Board Game Mechanics. Tonight will be a special night because Katie is being fueled by a severe lack of sleep, um, dill pickles, and uh, general sugar. So we'll Ugh. see what happens. <laughs> I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, guys, what's going on? It is Jason. Definitely the better rested, more normal version of us tonight. Well, I mean... I don't know if I'd use the word normal. As normal as as you can be, I'm sure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I just did not sleep well last night, and I kept waking up all the time, and I was so sweaty. I just got really sweaty. And it's summertime, and we have the air conditioner on, but our bedroom gets really hot, and then Jason sleeps in front of the fan, so I don't get any fan. It feels great on my side. I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does, and then you block (laughs) all the air. I don't get any. These are the trials. These are the this is the suffering I have. Now you all are aware. <laughs> Jason takes all the fan. If sleeping for Katie was a board game, it would be Robinson Crusoe because it just slaps her around <laughs> and keeps her from being able to sleep. It's difficult. I can never truly succeed. There's always setbacks. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I build a shelter to get it torn down. All those things. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right. But as much as I'd love to talk about my suffering some more. Maybe we should talk about the news. Guess what? I'm up first. I'm up first. I did some, well, I didn't really do some research, but I did see something that was important and sad at the same time, so I wanted to talk about that. So my one thing that I look forward to every year, well, one of the things, I have a couple, but... I was like, seriously? My my one gaming thing that I look forward to every year is now officially canceled. And that is Origins. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, Gamma officially made the announcement. I don't know if it, it was earlier this week, but it said the October event has been canceled. Trying to be socially responsible, which is, you know, you know, respectable, but that doesn't help me get to go to a convention and play some games. So there's always 2021, I guess. Yeah. I also think, aside from that, Gamma needs to sort some stuff out. Correct, yeah. They have uh, some other issues that are more important than gaming that they need to to work with. That's right. They need to clean house. They need to get their priorities straight. They need to understand what it truly means to be inclusive. And so, and I I think that in general, in the board gaming hobby, um, not just about race, but all kinds of things. The fact that I still have to see a woman posting um a video of a board game review and see multiple comments from men discussing her appearance rather than the game shows that we're not there yet and i I freaking it makes me crazy i'm on my soapbox this whole episode tonight by the way is me (laughs) on my soapbox people i am a karen tonight this is a particular reviewer that we don't even like care about but she still shouldn't be respect you know treated like that by dudes who are clearly not past the knuckle-dragging phase of their lives. Anyway, so yeah, it'll be sad. I love Origins. Um, I love hanging out. A lot of our friends, we've gotten to go with us and you know get to see people in the gaming industry, get to try out new games, see what the potential is out there. Um, I love that, and so I will miss it, but I understand like 2020 – my sister-in-law mentioned tonight, it is the year of the asterisk. <laughs> like, everything that <laughs> yeah. happens, asterisk 2020, pandemic. 
Yeah, that's true. It is really just a wash of a year. We're going to go from 2019 to 2021. <laughs> so I'll be excited to see what Origins comes back as, and I hope it is better, stronger, more inclusive, and you know, a great a great time for everybody, for gamers of all types. Shape, sizes, colors, all that that's stuff. That's right. Okay, so let's talk about some Kickstarter news, which I looked into. And one Kickstarter really caught my eye because it is like almost existential in its production and its theme. And that is a game called Shelfie Stacker. It's by Arcus Games. Um, It's out there on Kickstarter now. There's about 21 days left at the time of this podcast dropping. Um, It is a game about getting board games and stacking them in your shelf. And so it's really cool. It's got the mechanic that a couple of games we really like have. Um, Libertalia kind of has this mechanic. Uh, Campy Creatures has this mechanic. What else? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I can't think of anything either. There's at least one more. But it has simultaneous card selection where everyone has the same hand of cards. And they're numbered. And each of those cards gives helps... Um, then places your turn order when you flip them over, and then they give you an ability. So you're you're choosing, they call it a stacking buddy, that's going to help you stack the games, and you are going to choose it secretly, and then all show simultaneously. The actual lowest the number goes to pick from the board game boxes that are out there. You choose kind of your load, and then you use whatever power your stacking buddy gives you to arrange them in yourself. And then there are these goals for shelf arrangement um, by color or number, all different kinds of things um, to get bonuses and rack up your points. It looks like a fun, quick game. It's designed by Shem Phillips, and um, that dude can really do no wrong at this point. Like, honestly, he's made some really excellent games. And this, while this looks different than what he has done before, I think it's a funner, lighter side of things. Funner. Yeah, I was going to say, did you just say funner? <laughs> I taught for six hours today, okay? I have English out my brain. Um, it's it's more funner. It, it looks like the most funnest thing ever. <laughs> but it does look really fun. There's like parody game titles that I think are fun. The artwork is cute and cool. Another thing, the artwork is super inclusive. You have all different shapes and colors age ranges uh you've got a girl with blue hair that i love and tattoos um there's a cat is actually one of the people that you can use um i I really like that like the artwork is neat it's got a really fun theme and it's actually pretty reasonable the base game is 39 bucks and you get a bag full of all these really neat unique dice everyone's got their own player board to stack their shelfie on um it just looks good. I'm really excited about this. I'm hoping I can convince Jason to back it, but probably not. I don't know. I'm pretty interested in this one, mostly just because the theme is amazing. I mean, it is super meta. I mean, it's it's a board game about stacking board games on a shelf. I mean, that that's incredible. And yeah, like you said earlier, Shim Phillips has just been a machine with the Raiders of the North Sea, the Architects, Paladins, all that stuff. He's, his company and him have just been killing it. So if this is half as good as any of those, sounds good to me. 
And now I'm trying to see if they have re if they're the boards are recessed boards because it almost looks like that, which would be fantastic. But I'm not sure. It looked like it from the picture that I saw, but again, that could just be you know a 3D render. Who who really knows? Right, and like the meta-ness of it is so great. There's like a shelf of shame if your dice of the dice that has your board game boxes can't fit into your pattern that it goes to. Like it's it's looks really good. So that That's hilarious. is hilarious. It is hilarious. That's shelfy stacker. There are twenty one days left, and the base cost for that is thirty nine dollars. Okay, the next game I want to talk about is completely different, not just from a selfie stacker. But different from a lot of games that we talk about. And this game is an RPG, and it's actually a silent RPG called Alice is Missing. Um, there are nine days left on this, and it's a one-shot game where you can either play it collectively at a table, or you can. Um, it also has like a roll twenty code, so you can play it online, and. You communicate with your fellow players via text message, either in, in group chats and then also in um, individual chats. But the thing about this role-playing game is that you don't have a GM. No one is actually facilitating the experience. You have cards that are doing it. And the cards give you um, your background, who you are, your relationship to this girl, Alice, who goes missing. Um, she's a high school junior. And so, like, I think... There's a brother, um, her secret girlfriend, like you go through and develop your character first. And that does take some time. But then once everyone has their characters, the gameplay itself is only a 90 minute session. And I realize Jason's like only 90 minutes. No, I, I was literally just thinking this sounds kind of interesting. Part of the, R the RPG thing that I don't like is having to sit around and tell the stupid story stuff. But on this one, if you're just sending, like, you're only doing the game, and then you, when you have to communicate, you send a text, I think that's pretty neat. This would be one that I might actually try if we oh had a copy. Oh, my gosh. Okay, everyone, do you hear this? The Riveted. We have found <laughs> a landmark kind of situation here. Well, and My Little Pony. But right. this one is definitely more interesting to me than the My Little Pony. One of these days, I'm going to GM the My Little Pony. So this is really cool. Um, it's a single session, two to three hours, because the first 45 minutes, you're creating your characters, you're finding your relationships, how you're tied to each other. You've got kind of motivations and things that you're working out. And then the next, like, actual 90 minutes of gameplay, you're uncovering secrets, you're looking for clues, you're figuring out where Alice is and who's behind her disappearance. So you've got cards. There's like an intro card that sets the scene. Um, you get your character cards. You get your, you know, what drives you, motivates you. Um, you get suspect cards, suspicious people. There's location cards. So you're going to these locations. Then there's clue cards that you find there that move the narrative. Um, you can search for things. So there are these searching cards that like let you discover stuff. Um, if you need to remove stuff, there's some cards that remove stuff from the game. And then like at the end, there's like this debriefing card that just helps guide you through the end of the game. Another cool thing that it has is that there's this, they have this whole licensed like cinematic music playlist. Um, it has a bunch of artists that I don't know. Message to Bears, This Patch of Sky, Justin LaPointe, Be Still the Earth. I don't know any of them. Yeah, I've but, never heard of any of those bands either or groups, whatever they are. Right, but that soundtrack actually then is used as a timer so that you've got this, this beautiful soundtrack and then you also have then a timer for the 90 minutes of the game. 
it's really cool. There are prompts that tell you through it. Each player records a secret voicemail that gets played at the end of the game. Like, it sounds, like, really interesting. And also, it it's a really good price point to check it out. Um, it's $10 to just get the PDF version, and it's 20 bucks to get the physical version, which also includes a PDF. So, like, price-wise, this, I really think I could get Jason to back it for me. Yeah, so I, well, not yes to the backing, but (laughs) yes yes to my next thought. So my next thought is, I think the part of the reason, this is going to make me sound awful, like an awful human being, but I just don't want to talk to people that much while I'm playing a game. So I think that's part of of the issues with my RPG, like hatred is, I feel like there's a lot of talking and not a lot of playing. And if anybody's ever played a game with me, they know that I'm kind of like, come on, let's go. Let's not talk. Let's get through this game so we can keep playing and playing and playing. So this one kind of takes some of that out, and it feels like you're actually doing more of the game and less of the stuff that I don't like. So that's kind of why I think this one is intriguing to me. I'm surprised, because actually the thing about this is more than a lot of other RPGs, there's a really emotional element to it. It's very story-heavy like heavy because you're like... You have this connection to this girl who's missing and you're trying to find things out and you've got connections to these other people. It kind of reminds me of like like a teenage slasher movie almost. I don't know if people get killed, but I, I don't know that. But um, So I think it's really interesting. And then like you have the option to select like a $20. It says or more. Um, so you get the Roll20 version as well as the PDF version, which I think is kind of cool if you wanted to do it remotely, which is happening a lot more now because of the pandemic. And so I think that it's really cool they thought ahead on this. I think this is pretty cool. So there's only nine days left. Um, but if you want a physical t- copy, about 20 bucks. Um, if you want PDF copy, only $10. So, hey, check it out. That's called Alice is Missing. That is cool. All right, so I'll, I'll start off the next one. I probably don't have as many details as you, but I'll just kind of talk about it a little bit because everybody knows what this game is and I don't need to, you know, beat the dead horse. Terraforming Mars Big Box on Kickstarter now. Um, it's going to be basically a storage solution for all the terraforming Mars stuff. There's like 19 expansions and stuff like that, that you can put in this box. And the cool thing is, is it comes with these 3d printed or I don't know if they're 3d printed, but they're 3d tiles of the different terrain types that you're going to be terraforming on Mars. And it just is going to make the game pop a little more. If you're into that, like me, I'm fine with tiles, but if you're into the minis and, plastic junk in games then the 3d tiles is probably how you want to go so if you just want to get a box of the 3d tiles it may have i think it has a stretch goals too from the campaign at 79 bucks so if you already have all the terraforming mars and you gotta have the 3d tiles 79 dollars and you can have it small price to pay for a lifetime of enjoyment of terraforming mars so that's what i know (laughs) i don't know if you want to chime in but um, I've never played Terraforming Mars because it's about space, and we all ha- know how I feel about space. However, I would give it a try, and these 3D tiles are really freaking cool. Like, they really are. I was so, like, impressed with the way they look and the different terrain types and how they show up. Like, it really does just stand out, and they're cool. Like, this magnetic field generator and a dam and a this sound this sounds awful but like that one tile that's on like the kickstarter page is like a mushroom cloud yes the nuclear tile nuclear yeah. tile it's cool it is cool it's really cool um and oceans and greenery and such and then little temperature markers like these cool little 
extra markers. Um, but it is a lot, um, a lot of money for that. But if you really like the game and you're going to play it and you play the crap out of it, by all means, like I'm, I'm totally into upgrades. Uh, Jason and I just got bought upgrade pieces for, um, Grand Austria Hotel, which is my favorite game of all time. So why wouldn't I spend some money to upgrade it? So if you love terraforming Mars, you need to check out this Kickstarter, which is well and truly funded. Um, but there's 13 days left and you're looking at at least 79 buckaroos there for that one. Plus probably a whole pile of shipping. Well, if I mean, <laughs> if we're honest. Yes, that's that's true, too. But, you know, sometimes you, you got to splurge there. Yeah, that's true. So that's all the news I have for today. All right, time to talk about some games. Three games that we both played together. That's like two weeks in a row. So the first game that we're going to talk about is a game that I didn't like previously, and Katie did like it. Yes. We got a copy for review because um, Katie wanted it, and that game is Between Two Castles of Mad King Ludwig. And uh, I'll talk about it a little bit, then you can talk about your thoughts about the game. So, cool. this is a game based on the theming of Castles of Mad King Ludwig, but using the mechanisms from Stone Myers between two cities, where you, there there's going to be, say you're playing with three players, each player is going to be working with a castle to the player to their left and to the right. So, throughout this game, everybody who's playing is going to be building two castles at the same time with two different people. You're doing that by a cool tile drafting where you're going to take some tiles. You're going to pick two that you want to play. You're going to pass them to the player to your left. Then you're going to, you know, they're going to use those tiles, pick two, pass them around. You know, normal drafting stuff. The trick here is when all the castles have been built, the players are going to score points for their lowest scoring castle. So you don't want to spend all your time focusing on one of the castles because your other one's going to suck and your score is going to be terrible and you're going to lose. So you're trying to balance out how you're spreading the good tiles between both castles. You're trying to work with uh, both your neighbors. So they'll play tiles that you want them to play to help make the best castle that you can. You're looking at your in-game scoring and all that stuff. It's, there's a lot going on and it's a pretty interesting game. And I will say after playing the second time, I like it a bit more. So between two castles is at least one thumb up for me now. (laughs) I really liked this game the first time I played it because I love Castles of Mad King Ludwig so much. Um, But again, (laughs) I liked it again. And again, I lost because I once again get wrapped up in all the different like room types and how fun they are. And I'm just not that strategic kind of person where I'm like, how can I make the maximum turn that I can? Um, But it still is really fun. I love that cooperative aspect because especially because I'm the person that I'm like, well, maybe I'm not seeing the best play here. So I get to make my own choice, but then I have someone to collaborate with. And I do really enjoy that part of it, too. So I thought it was just as fun the second time, even though I did not win at all. Yeah. I mean, but still, the winner, winner had 63 points and or 66 points and we had 63. So it wasn't too far off. It was close. That's true. That's true. It was close. I'd like to play it more so I can see all the different... Um, tiles that are out there so i'm not quite as blindsided by all the different rooms that exist because i haven't played it as much as castles mac and lugwood yeah there are a pile of tiles and we only played three players and there are a 
ton of tiles we didn't even look at. So, right. you know, you could have been looking for a certain room type. And because of the way they were shuffled and the sections that we grabbed, they might not have even been in there. So, yeah, there's a lot of replayability and it was it was interesting and it was fun. Right. And like the different the bonuses are so different from regular castles that I thought that was really interesting, too, to see what you can complete and how you can get these new options for scoring. There is a ton of replayability there and I really like it. So next we got out one of my favorite games because I love deck builders. We broke out Tanto Quare. And Jason's favorite version of this is Oktoberfest, which I don't love. Uh, I may reconsider that, but go ahead. What? Excellent. Um, So Tanto Quarry, again, deck builder where you have maids. You're trying to employ maids that are going to get you points, either maids that are just simply in your employ or maids that work in your private chambers who will give you extra points because of being chambered. Um, In the Oktoberfest expansion... You are can also collect beer cards that will give you extra points. Um, some of there's some of them have a set collection aspect to them, um, and then they also have some special events. If you have they each each of the beer cards has a blood alcohol as an alcohol level, and if it's too high, when a certain event comes up, you might lose some. Um, you've got beer stands that can protect your beer sometimes, but there's also a couple um, cards that Jason doesn't like because they're mean. And they can allow you to steal beer from other players. Or, yeah, let's we'll talk about those later. We'll talk about those later. Or kind of have a rainstorm happen on their beer fest so that they don't get the points. Um, I like it, but for me, I feel like there's only really one way to play and be competitive, and that is to collect as many beer cards as you can. And I don't like that. I don't like the game telling me what to do. So that's why Oktoberfest is not my favorite. However, it still has the basic Tonto Macquarie mechanic that I do really enjoy. Yeah, so the reason that this was my favorite was because I liked that the deck was face down and I could randomly get something that nobody else knew what I had. The What happened last time was it was harder to get beer because we only had the one maid out there just because I pulled some randomly. And then by the time you started getting beer cards, the beer cards were almost gone. So it it just took too long for me to get going with that. And I do agree with you that if you're not buying beer cards, you're probably not going to win unless you just buy enough cards quickly to get the two or three stacks out of cards before people can get beer, which would be a viable option, I think. Um, but yeah, I I like it still. I like all the Tonto Quarries, but I think I'd probably rather play, I don't know, winter romance or romantic vacation or something because that stupid these stupid mean cards that you threw (laughs) on my what was it it was the heavy storm that you threw on my beer fest you cost me eight points that was terrible and that i think made me lose so I, i don't love those cards but you don't have to play with those cards and you know you can just leave them out and not have them as an option to buy but i just grabbed everything in the box and put it out on the mat but I like those so. cards because I think it was a great defensive play for me because I knew I wasn't going to get all the beer cards. So I thought, I'm going to make their beer worthless. And they did. It was fun. Yeah. And you can't get rid of them, but they're really difficult to get rid of. So you mostly just deal with it and lose the points. But yeah, that's Tonto Quarry. It was fun. It was still fun. I still had a good time. For sure. All right. So the last game that we're going to talk about is a new-ish game. I don't know when it came out, but it's at least 2019 or newer. And the game is called Hadara. And this game is designed by the same designer that 
did Crown of Amara, which we haven't gotten a chance to play yet, and I really want to. Do we have that? No. I Chris may have it. I'm not 100% sure, but it's one that I... Hedaris from 2019. Okay, yeah. So it's fairly new. So what you're trying to do in this game is you're trying to... I don't know what the theme is. Trying to build the best civilization. Employ, yeah, employ civilization citizens with a variety of skills to make your civilization thrive. Right. So basically what you're doing is <laughs> you're drafting some cards. There's going to be five different colored decks of cards. And on your turn, everybody's going to take from a different section of the board. So... Maybe, you know, Katie's going to be taken from the red, which is the military, and I'm going to be taken from the yellow, which is the economy or income, whichever. It has to do with money. You're going to have a couple options. You're going to discard one of the cards. You're going to draw two. You're going to discard one, and then you're either going to buy another one or you're going to eject it from the game to get some money. And you're going to have an opportunity to either do that to buy or remove from the game, buy or sell, I guess, five cards over the course of a round, and then... You're going to go into an income phase. You're going to be building some statues based on how far up you're on one of the tracks. Um, You may be able to build some colonies or, I guess, settle some colonies if you have enough military. Then the tricky part of the game is you're going to be diving into the discards that everybody put out in these five different colors and maybe buying or selling the cards again, which makes the game a little more strategic because you're trying to get cards that maybe you really want down in these piles for when you have money later. But all that being said, it's a fairly simple game. It's not super heavy, but it's not super light. Pretty solidly medium. And it was a good time. So that was my thoughts on Hadara. And let's see what Katie thinks. I really like this. And like, if you want tracks in a game, this game is tracks. And I feel like it can have like a really cool engine building quality because your tracks kind of are your engine. So I want to get cards that give me more income. Also, the really great thing is the more cards you have of a color, it costs less for you to buy that color as time goes on. So then you're trying to balance it between, between I want cards of this color because they're cheap and it saves me money, but also um, getting sets of all five of the colors can give you some mega points and you don't want to neglect some of the tracks because they're really going to come in handy and help you score points. Um I may like this game a ton because I handily won. I like whooped some serious butt on this game. Um, Because all my tracks, like I did, I was maxing them out. I was getting a ton of income. I was settling places. I was collecting sets. Like it was good. It was a good time. Um, I like that. Again, you can kind of do your own thing. So I early was collecting these yellow cards because I'm like, if I get the income, even if I don't have cards of the color that I want, I have the money to get them and to start out in that. And so I was kind of doing things that way and looking for cards to buy that gave me, you know, multiple jumps and tracks so that maybe I don't have to buy as many cards because I've moved up the track anyway. Uh, there's, so there's engine building there. Uh, really, can, you can go whatever way kind of works for you. Um, but I thought it was really fun. I would love to play it again, like right now. Yeah, it's really good. Um, it's essentially, it gives you the same kind of feels as like Seven Wonders building the civilizations there, I think, in the cards. But this game is way more fun to play than that. Oh, yeah. I think it actually makes more sense as far as a drafting game goes than Seven Wonders does. Because you can see the applications to what you're buying with the track piece, which you don't have with Seven Wonders. Right, that's true. And another nice thing, I don't know if we talked to, I, didn't, I don't think I mentioned it, but 
you're kind of doing everything at the same time. Oh, it, yeah. When you're taking the two cards of your color, no one else is in that color with you. So you can just go there and do your thing while I'm doing my thing in my color. And then when everybody's ready, we'll turn the little dial and we'll each go to the next section. So it, it takes less time, I think. So it, it essentially drafting still because everybody's doing that at the same time. But you're not getting in other people's way, which I kind of like. So that's cool. Yeah, good, good choice. I think we need to own this for ourselves. I agree. So for our feature for this episode, this is the episode where Jason and I both get to be Karens. We well, well <laughs> I do think that a male Karen is called a Ken. I think we learned that last week. So that's okay. funny. That's funny to me. Karens and Kens. Jason and I are going to be Karen and Ken tonight because we want to speak to your manager. We want to speak to your manager about these pet peeves in gaming groups. Now, full disclaimer, several people that we game with, I know listen to our podcast. Not all of them because they obviously don't care about us that much, but um, some of them do. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) These things are not meant to resemble any one specific person. Any coincidence in appearance or description to anyone living or dead is, again, (laughs) purely coincidence. But we want to talk about our pet peeves in a gaming group. Not our pet peeves when it comes to games, because we kind of talked about those things, what we don't like, our game turnoffs. But these are people (laughs) turnoffs. Just just check yourself. <laughs> I think that's what we need to learn today is, you know, sometimes you need to be introspective and yes. see if, if, if we're committing some of what I feel to be the cardinal sins of board game playing. And right. really, obviously, it, it varies. And some of my pet peeves are probably really stupid, just like my pet peeves as far as game design and theme are stupid. I get that. But they bug me. Now, the stuff that bugs Jason is different than the stuff that bugs me. And so that's why we each have three game day pet peeves. So I'm going to start. And my first pet peeve is bad rule explanations. Now, I'm not talking about when you're not sure of how to play the game. It's the first time out of the box. We're working at the rules together. However, that does bother me if you tell me that you know how to play the game, but you sit there and you just read the rule sheet to me. I can read rules. Oh, that's the worst. I hate that so much. That's not on my list, but I do hate that. (laughs) Because that's wasting time to play the game. Don't tell me you know how to play it and then read the rules to me straight from the box. I can do that. Okay, now if you're saying, I don't really know how to play this game. Can you help me figure it out and work on it together? I'm cool with. But being a teacher, there are certain ways that you present new information to people. One of those ways is in a logical order. So part of the biggest pet peeve here is when people will like explain to me like random cards or specialty circumstances. And I'm like, I don't even know what my goal is. Why are you Uh, telling me what the purple card does when I didn't even know we got cards in this game? uh, That makes me crazy. I'm glad you're not talking about anybody specifically. Shut up. (laughs) It will ruin Uh. a game experience for me if I feel I haven't been properly informed of the rules. And another way to explain games, and this should be a whole podcast. We'll get to that. But it helps when you say, here is your goal. Here is the overall goal of the game. For most Euros, it's to get the most points. Yes. But get your track all the way to the top. That's what you want to do. 
Don't piss me off by saying, oh, you have to get the most points. Well, then tell me how to get the points, you jerk. Okay? You don't, you're not funny. I don't understand how to play this game. In my defense, sometimes <laughs> I got to get to it. Okay? <laughs> I, not all these things are about me, but <laughs> no. I, I, I do that one sometimes. So, and you can understand why Jason actually is, is really pretty good at explaining rules because I have given him grief over the way he's explained rules to me for a long time because I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Why are you telling me this way? So explaining what the overall goal is, then telling me how a turn works. And then when you get to some of these small nitpicky rules, okay, because I've understood how the game is supposed to roll now. But don't throw those out at the beginning. Oh my gosh, that makes me so crazy. I'm like, I don't care what that tricolor gold foil spot on the board is. You just pulled out the board. How do I move around it? Why are you telling me this? And then you don't tell me how I'm supposed to take a turn? Are you kidding me? No. Oh. No. You need, to call the, you need to call the manager. I do. I need to speak to your manager. Because I cannot handle when you are that bad at rule explanation. Now, I understand if you're like, hey, I'm not really great at the rules. Um, but you at least say, on your turn, you play a card like this, then this happens, and then we move into a next phase. Cool. Or you're saying, okay, I'm not really great with the rules. Here's a card that shows you how a turn works, and I can explain to you what some of the verbiage is for the game. Okay, that's great. Another key to teaching is using what we call the scaffolding, scaffolding method, where you build on a player's prior knowledge to help them ease into new knowledge. If you know I've played a game before, you can use terms that I understand. You can say, okay, this is a drafting game. We're going to draft these cards. I get that. Great. Now we can speed along the process. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I don't know. It's just funny. It's just funny. I'm just thinking of things. Just keep talking. <laughs> you love when I get on my soapbox and rail on people. See, Jason yeah, gets to play like all nicey and then I get to be the mean Karen because I'm like going to tell you <sighs> how it is because these things will not stand. This aggression will not stand, man. It will not stand. You need If you're going to take a game to a board game night and you want people to play your game, you better dang well understand the rules. Oh, yeah. I 100% agree with that. Like, totally not even kidding. If you want me to play your game, you need to teach me how to play your game. Now, there may be some special like, oh, I have to look it up. I'm not sure on the setup if we get five cards or seven cards. But you better know how the game plays, what we're doing on our turns, and what the goal of the game is. And be able to communicate that in my language of choice in a way that makes sense. That's all I'm asking. <sighs> it's not much. Don't be throwing that the specialty rule thing like I that really that is my main issue. If you tell me all these minute one off rules and then never explain actual gameplay, what are you even doing here? Well, you what? know, you know, you know how to handle the one off rules, though. huh? Yeah. If they even come up, <laughs> if I even get that one card you mentioned, yeah, I don't care what happened true. when you and Jojo played this last time and you forgot to say this one specialty rule. That doesn't matter to me when I've never seen this game before. JoJo's the worst. I hate playing with that kid. Stop it. <laughs> so my number one obvious serious pet peeve is bad rules explanation. I rest my case. All right. So mine is not going to be as soapboxy, <laughs> but but I do hate this more than I think more than anything else that I'm going to talk about. And that is when people play on their phones during games. Mm. And... 
I may have a co-host that is uh, uh, guilty of that. And is doing it right now. And is doing it right now. But I'm not seeing it, so it doesn't bother me as much. <laughs> so the, the reason why this bothers me, it's a couple reasons. I'm not going to go into one of the reasons because it's going to come up later. But if we're playing a game and you're playing on your phone, one, you're not looking at the board trying to plan out your future turns. So you don't know. You're not going to have a plan. You're not going to know what anybody else has done. So when it comes to you, you're going to start looking at the board for the first time saying, oh, okay, so what'd you do again? It doesn't matter. You should have been paying attention. You should have been on your phone. So I'm not going to tell you what I did because you should have been paying attention. But I really will tell you what I did because I'm a good guy. But yeah, I hate it. I hate it so much. It's annoying. Uh, It makes me crazy even though I hide it inside. It makes me crazy. Playing on phones, being on Facebook, having Facebook Messenger conversations, having Facebook posting sessions, whatever you do on your phone, don't do it while we're playing the game. Do it in between games while we're setting up. I'll clean up. I'll set up. Play on your phone. I have no problem with that. I'm fine with it. Just don't do it while we're playing the game. So playing on phones during games drives me crazy. I hate it so much. And that's my number one. Okay, in my defense, because I know <laughs> I do this. It's not just you, though, but yes, you are guilty of this. Um, I do it if I know how to play the game already and you're explaining to other people. I do it when I it's not my turn and I already know what I'm going to do on my turn. And sometimes I do it just to annoy you. <laughs> yeah, I figured. I figured that was in there a little bit. But that's not really my main reason. It's just because I sometimes I have a game to finish or my people need me, okay? So well, sometimes and, I need to respond to them. And honestly, you're not even my main gripe here. There are other people that do it more. But it's no matter who's doing it, it's still annoying. So that's my first one. I know. I, I'm trying to be better about this, but I have problems. But you're not going to. It's fine. So just <laughs> you, you could go on to your next one. <laughs> okay. My next one is about a certain type of player. And gosh, I have a lot of these players in my life. Um. But I have a caveat to why what what the pet peeve is. So min-maxing is something that bugs me, but I get it. So min-maxing is where you decide what is the smallest thing I can do on my turn to get the most points out of it. What kind of move can I make so that... I have covered, you know, I've covered all the angles. I've checked it all so I can get a 20 point turn instead of a two point turn. That bugs me because I refuse to do it. Number one, because it usually takes too long. And because I feel like it sucks the life and fun out of a game. Um, But that's also because my brain does not work that way. I have a general strategy. I'm not an idiot, but I don't feel the need to, to try and min max everything. Sometimes you just take a turn because it feels right. And it's... <laughs> I guess all my turns must feel terrible then because I never make good decisions, but I have a good time, so... Right. And so and so I know there are lots of people that do think that way. That they're like, if I'm going to play a game, I'm going to play it to win. The whole point of it is to get the most points. So that's what I'm going to do. Okay. So I'm going to judge you in my head quietly, but with love. If you're a min-maxer. And I do play with a lot of them. Brandon, I am talking about you. <laughs> you are one of them. Just in case you weren't sure, this is what you do. Uh. 
And when you do it, sometimes it sucks the fun of a game out for me. However, I can can get be gracious about it. Now, the thing I cannot be gracious about is when people are min-maxers and then they judge you for not being a min-maxer and you take your turn and they're like, oh, well, you could have gone over here and made it like three times more points. What were you thinking? Or why would you place that tile there? This tends to happen between like couples because they feel more free to criticize their partner. Usually I don't have people do it to me because they're too afraid of me probably. I was going to say, I don't think this is a me thing. No, this is not a you thing. You don't min-max at all. Sometimes I wish you did a little more of it because I feel like, are you even playing the game? Um, it's like, uh, let's just go here. <laughs> no, but when you, if you want to min-max, that's fine. But I don't need you to sit there and decide if my turn and other people's turns are up to your standards. Because then I start feeling insecure about taking my turn and I don't even want to take my turn because I feel like you're going to look down on me if I take my turn and I don't take that one absolute best, most optimized move that you have seen because I'm not a strategic thinker like that. I like to see how things emerge and I like to just to go with, with my gut and go with my play style. So min-maxing, I can deal with, but if you start judging other people by that min-max standard, no. I will get out my newspaper and smack you on the nose. Stop doing that. Yeah, this doesn't bother me at all. I mean, the min-maxing is annoying, but it doesn't bother me as much as it does you, or really at all. But yeah, the judging, I can see you're a female, so you probably get that more than me, but... I do. Yeah. All right, so my next one kind of goes hand-in-hand with the first thing that I just talked about, but not necessarily, and... My number two thing is not paying attention during rules explanations. So when I'm explaining a game, I try to do it to the best of my ability. I try to put in the research. I try to play through the game beforehand. I try to read the rule book. I try to watch a video. I try to do all this so I understand what I'm doing so I can teach you how to understand what you're doing at least like 90%. So when I'm doing this and I put in all this work for you so you don't have to read the rule book, and just listen to me tell you, and you're not paying attention, or you're playing on your phone while I'm trying to tell you how to play a game, uh, that makes me, in the words of Rory, but in a negative way, that makes my brain want to explode. <laughs> not with excitement, with anger. It makes it want to explode. Because then, right when I'm done explaining something, you're going to ask me a question about what I just freaking explained because you weren't paying attention. Not saying that my rules explanations are always 100% great because they're not. I know that. But you don't know how to play the game at all. And I do at least like 75%. So maybe you should listen and put your phone down. Stop having side conversations. If you have to take care of a kid or something, that's one thing. But if you're just having a conversation, be having a conversation. Have that after I'm done telling you the rules conversation. But not while we're playing the game because I don't like that either. So maybe just after the game. Or go outside. Just pay attention to what I'm telling the rules. That's all I want. Just If you want to know how to play the game, just please listen to me. So not paying attention during rules, my number two. I do not do this. You do not do this. No, you listen and you ask questions. Yes, probably because I'm a teacher. And so I get irritated when I give instructions to my students on an assignment. And then as soon as it's over, one of them goes, uh, so what are we doing again? And I just want to gouge my eyes out. Like, really? I just freaking said it what is wrong with you and even more so because i also teach adults so i do get annoyed when other adults don't pay attention during rules they're on their phone 
they're having a side convo, whatever, and they can't be bothered to pay attention when they don't know how to play. Because I'm there to learn. I will pay attention. Now, if I already know, yeah, I'm totally ignoring you. Right. If you know how to play, then fine. This doesn't apply to you. Yes. All right. So my last (laughs) game day pet peeve. I realize I've gotten quite heated during this session. So um, I want to apologize. But no, I'm still going to be mad about these things. And this is my Karen episode. So you're really going to see the ugly side of Katie right now. I hope you guys will still love me after this. So my last one. And this might be gender specific. I'm not sure. I haven't done enough research i i think it is like i would probably say it is i hate when people play dumb in a game now i don't mean this by making bad choices by just being like jason and haphazardly <laughs> laying your pieces down i don't mean that <laughs> yes that's just bad play <laughs> i don't care about that what i care about is when you come to a game you're like oh i don't this game is so confusing like after one rule or one look at the box, you're like, I don't know if I can play this. I think I'm too stupid. Or, okay, you know, you can try and teach me, but I'm probably not going to get it. Shut your mouth. Come on. I'm not going to introduce you to a game that I don't think you can handle. Please. Please. If I know all you've been playing is Yahtzee, I'm not going to pull out Vital Lacerda. I'm not stupid. And neither are you. That irritates the bejesus out of me. And I know people that do it. Or will play a game, especially like... A co-op game is even worse. But, and someone will be like, oh, I don't know what to do. What do you think I should do? It's your turn, fool. You do what you want to do. And no one says it has to be the optimal thing, the best thing. See my last pet peeve? (laughs) It can be whatever you want it to be, but you are taking your own turn. All right. Don't act like you never played a game before. Don't know how to take your own turn. Make up your own mind. You chose what you put on your body today in clothing. You can certainly choose where you're going to put your worker. Whatever I would do, do the opposite. It just... And it, and it probably does bug me. Because as a female in an industry that is not always as kind to its female members. And I have been at board game demonstrations where I have had the male demonstrator tell me how to play the colonist guy he did not tell any of the other people who were there males how to play and i boldly took my turn doing what i wanted because i knew how i wanted to play my game and he said i wouldn't do that are you sure that's what you want because here's what you really should do and i said no i know what i want to do on my turn and i ended up winning that round because i knew what i was doing so stop just stop You don't go into a game. Now, it's one thing to say, I don't think I understand the rules. Or, okay, what am I supposed to do on my turn again? Can you please clarify? Do I need to choose this or this? Is that what I need to do? That's fine. Asking for rule clarification, making sure you understand what different symbols mean, what, you know, different turn order things happen. That's okay. That's general information. But playing dumb, like there's no way you could possibly figure out a game, is malarkey. And I'm over it. And I don't want to see it. My grandma does this. She's never going to listen to this podcast, so I can rail on her. I love my grandma. <laughs> she does do this a lot. She will never listen. She can't figure out the technology to listen to a podcast, number one. <laughs> I love her. But this woman, this woman's so smart. She raised a kid. She basically raised her grandkids. She, as an adult, went back to school, got her um, accounting degree the year I was born. 
She then has worked for companies who have done parts for a space station. Uh, she has been an accountant for NFL players. Like this woman is so smart. And she tells me she can't learn how to play the gambler. And I think, are you freaking kidding me? I just saw you put together a quilt by hand from a pattern you made yourself. And you can't tell me that you don't know how to roll dice and move your token around. Are you serious? I don't know why she does this every game, but it makes me want to scream. Don't do this. Don't do this. Even if you come to a game and you're like, this game seems difficult. Don't say that you're too dumb to do it. Don't pathetically ask somebody else to take your turns for you. You suck it up and you figure it out. Mic drop. Dang. All right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I will say I agree. At And co-op games, this seems to be the most prevalent. Because I feel like sometimes people are like, I don't know what I want to do. I can't do this. What if I mess something up? Who cares? It's a game. If we screw it up, we screw it up. We'll just try it again. Chances are we're going to lose anyway because the game's going to slap us around. And it's so okay to ask for advice to say, okay, well, I'm thinking I could go here or here. Which one might help the group better in a co-op game? That's fine to ask. But to act like you can't make any kind of choice? Oh, please. Yeah, that's for sure. All right. So my last one is kind of goes it's kind of a two-parter so i put down here so, sore losers but i also wanted to include people who when they know they can't win they just make stupid decisions to screw up everybody else so kingmaker or whatever you want to call it so sore losers and then people who are just jerks and cause other people to win so the reason this bothers me is one it's a game I'm trying to play this game to have fun and nobody loses more than me. And if I can lose and be fine with it 90% of the time, so can you. So don't be storming off because you were min maxing and I happened to beat you by a point with my haphazard game playing. So what? Who cares? I've won one game out of a hundred this year. Let me have my one win. You beat me 99 times. It's okay. If you lose this time. So don't do that. And then also, if you know you're going to lose, suck it up and just play the best you can anyway. There's no reason to just say, well, I'm going to lose anyway, so I'm just going to randomly pick stuff because it doesn't matter anymore. Oh, I'm sorry that I picked that. I screwed you up, and now you can't get those 20 points that you were going to get. Don't do that either because that's terrible. That's not fun for me. That's not fun for anybody at the table. It might be fun for you, but that makes you a jerk. So don't do that either. Just play the game. Have fun. If you're going to lose, lose gracefully. If I'm going to win, let me win gracefully. I won't rub it in your face unless it's Katie because I never get to beat Katie. (laughs) Outside of that, I'll be fine. I'll enjoy my victory that I get one out of every like 12 games. So just let me have it. It It'll be okay. We'll play another game. You'll probably win. We'll play two more games. You'll probably win. It's okay. Don't be the, the guy that's a sore loser or the girl that's a sore loser. Just play, have fun, and whatever happens, happens. So, sore losers slash kingmakers is my number one, or my number three. Okay, I, I have a question on this. So, when we played um, Oktoberfest, and I played the Heavy Storms card, because I knew I was probably not getting as many points as you, so I wanted to try and see if I could win by getting rid of your points by playing those mean cards. Was that me 
doing this. No, that is fine. I mean, it was annoying because you took away points. But so I'm, I'm trying to think of an example, and I can't even think of one right now. But okay, I'll give you an example. Say we're playing Ink and Gold or something, and we're trying to uh, get as far as we can go into there. And you're not looking at your cards. You're just randomly picking some cards to determine if you're going to go in or you're going to come out. That it's not necessarily the exact thing because it's not really affecting me because I can just get out whenever I want. But it's that type of thing at the end of the game when you know you couldn't win that you're just going to randomly do some crap. And whatever happens from your stupid action happens. So you were actually trying to be strategic to cause me to not get as many points so you could try to win. That's different than what I'm talking about. Yeah, what annoys me is when, in a similar vein, that people will be like, oh, I don't think I can win this game, so I'm just going to uh, just take as many cards as possible, just lay them up. For example, we played a game of London, and I played with this person who was like, <laughs> I'm just, yes. I'm calling people out. I'm calling shots. Uh, I, would, I would say his name because he doesn't listen to this podcast, and neither does anybody he's related to, probably, but I won't. Yeah. Don't say his name. It's so we were playing in London, and he was like, oh, poverty? You're not supposed to get it? Well, I don't think I really like this game, and I don't really understand what I'm doing, so I'm just going to make my city 25 buildings long and just keep running it and getting a billion poverty. Ha, ha, ha. What? Yeah. Fool? No. That's a, that's annoying, but that doesn't affect me any. So I don't care about that really? as much. Oh, I, th- yeah. I was thinking this is the same lines. No, because it's not screwing up my game at all. It's just making you look like a moron, and it's making me... It's actually helping me in that game because your all your poverty is going to just make mine a wash, so I don't care anymore. Yeah, but by taking like all the cards then, and like I well, can't get the cards I want to run my city. That's true. I mean, he is kind of speeding up the game, so that's true. It's a, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, you are not as passionate or as hard like nosed about your pet peeves as I am. That's true. I know when I see it, I know it. But sometimes <laughs> I'm like, eh, this doesn't really fit the bill here. This isn't bothering me as much. So I have different levels of pet peeve, I guess. <laughs> the moral of the story is Jason is way more even keeled than Katie, who gets riled up about all kinds of things. <laughs> Although the rules explanation thing does really irritate me. Like that probably is my most annoying one just because I... I'm putting in the work to do it. So that's my my most bothersome, I think. All right. So those are our top pet peeves of playing with with other people. And tell us, what are yours? Did we have some of the same ones? Do we miss some? Send us um, a message on Facebook. Comment on our Facebook page. Definitely join the Riveted, which is one of the best groups ever out there on Facebook. Um, find us on Instagram. On Twitter, also, um, if you haven't looked, I finally did a video for our YouTube page, and it was unboxing of a couple games that we got. It probably sucked. Sorry. Um, But a good time. So like, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and let us know, um, what are your game day pet peeves? Because I don't want to commit them. Oh, I'm sure I commit some for people. That just goes without saying, but... I'm not I know. talking about me right now. I know. I'm sure I commit them. And so I want to try to not not do it as much because I want everyone to have a good time at the table and want to make sure everyone feels good. So I will do my best. Um, also, I hope you guys still like me after, <laughs> after this podcast because I felt like I was really mean. 
And I really told some people off. And I'm sorry. <laughs> and I love you. It's fine. I mean, the beautiful thing about playing games is, even though you might do some of these things, I'll still play games with you. I, I'm, I'm I've be- thought about not playing games with some people because <laughs> of these things. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be real. I might be boiling inside of my head, might be trying to explode. But I'll still play games with you. And you won't have any idea that you're making me irritated unless you're playing with a phone or not paying attention during a rules explanation. No, the bad rules thing, I won't let you teach me games anymore. I won't. <sighs> if I play with you, I'm teaching the game. Or I already know how to play the game because I can't handle you botching up for me. Like, I'm so hard the moral fast of the story is Katie hates everyone that we play games with. <laughs> and me, I'll just keep playing games with you because I don't care because I want to play games. <laughs> and there you have it. <laughs> All right. And I've been angry, soapbox, thumping Katie. <laughs> also known as Karen. And I am Jason, also known as Ken. Barely. <laughs> and keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. Even if you annoy me.